Welcome everyone to the Dining on a Dime podcast, where we give you tips on how to save on your monthly food budget. Now we give you the absolute best foodie news, and our professionals will give you recipes and cooking tips. So let's get the show started. All right, welcome to the show. Here's what you're going to hear today. Today is going to be a deep dive into catering. We're going to examine the industry of catering. Our segment one is going to be a generalized overview of the catering business. Segment two is going to be our special guest, my main man, Ted Torres, COA Catering, C-O-A-C-A-T-E-R-I-N-G.com. And you can find Ted. Teddy's going to be uh, joining us for the hour. My co-host is Amaris Pollock. But everything you need to know about the catering industry is going to be found on this show. Listeners in California, listeners in Texas, listeners in Florida, this is segment one is for you. Segment two, we're going to talk about Chef Torres. Uh, that's probably more going to be a local thing, but segments three and four, we will rebound. And we will talk about the general catering industry. I have tons of stats. Segment four, I got a little bit of ways you can save. I know Chef Torres, please don't jump at me. <laughs> but segment four, I do have ways that people can save when they're ordering catering. Let's start the show off with Chef Torres, Coa Catering. Uh, talk about what you're seeing in the recent uh, the recent times in the catering industry. What what kind of uh, trends or whatever? Oh, well, thank you, thank you for having me. Absolutely, first. we're thrilled. As am I. Um, but some of the trends that I've seen are. You know, some people are, are trying to go a little bit more casual to try to save some money and things like that. So some of the, the bigger trends I've seen is probably like food truck catering, um, which is a more casual setup where people could go up to the catering or the, to the food truck and buy like yeah. smaller, like, you know, handheld things, a little bit more casual, not as expensive as the full blown um, wedding catering. Sure. So I've seen food truck catering really blowing up. What about foods? Have you seen any requests for foods? Like, is there a lot of vegetarian requests? A lot of vegetarian, gluten-free special requests. I would say 20% of my clientele is vegan and vegetarian. So those are definitely options that you have to have on your menu. And what's what, good? Oh, good. What about ke- ke- uh, keto? Because I, I've seen, like, a huge blowing up of the keto trend. And so I'm wondering, like, for caterers, like, how do you even, like, go into that? Well, you go into it by asking the clients what their preference are. Um, once they give you like guidelines of what you know they want to see on their menus, then as a chef, you know I feel it's my obligation to be able to execute whatever they want. Absolutely, and be flexible. You know, flexibility is really important with catering. All right, let's start the show off. This is for our listeners around the world, actually. We were in other countries last week. Uh, Let's give a little bit of stats, and then we'll go back into the conversation. Revenues for the catering companies have doubled in the last 10 years. So over the last decade, the revenue in your business has doubled. In 2013, the revenue was almost $50 billion for the catering industry. Average caterer works around 60 hours per week. I'm sure Chef Torres can verify. <laughs> yes. Uh, the 100 to 250 people is the average overall. I think they're counting the weddings and stuff like that. That's the average amount of people. And 50% of catering caterers have their own kitchen facilities. And I think that's important. What do you? What is your opinion on that? What do you think about... Is it easier for a caterer to go into a kitchen, a, you know, an unknown kitchen? Or do you like to, uh, you know what I mean? Is it, it must be hard. Or would to, you prep in your own kitchen and then do the finishing touches in whatever event space that you're at? I would do that. I would, like, prep my product to, like, 80%. Nice. Um, also, I've used, like, uh, modern techniques, like uh, cry-vacking, vacuum-sealing my stuff, um, because sometimes I do barn weddings. I do things that don't have the capabilities of executing. So when I, like, vacuum-seal, cry-vac stuff, I usually do things on site where I only, all I really need is, like, circulators or even pots of boiling water, and the quality of the product doesn't, you know, sacrifice. So you're giving them a quality product um, on site. And that's what I specialize in, off-site catering. Right. right exactly. Right. Yeah. And, and would you say that that would bring a more consistent um, meal base when you're doing the cryovac and, and whatnot? 
Yeah, it has to be consistent um, because I'm trying to give, you know, I worked in the restaurants for a long time. So I'm got, try, I'm doing my best to give the clients uh, that restaurant quality because sometimes there's a stigma with, with catering that the sure. food is not as great or they get it's sitting in the shafers as, you know, for a long time and it loses its quality where I try to make sure that I'm doing a lot of stuff like on site fresh. Have you seen a lot of increase in corporate catering? Yes. That has increased. Yes. That's what it says here. Yes. And how do you please a corporate client who is not a personal, you know, it's not their friends and family. It's for the it's for the employees. What is the best way? You just sit down with them, have a meeting with them and stuff like that? Yeah, you talk to them. It's always about conversation and getting as much information as possible, as well as budgeting. They always have budgets. But, you know, if... You're a wise caterer, you know, that's where the resources are or that's where the money is, um, okay. is in corporate because they have budgets allocated for budget uh, for for catering, usually breakfasts, lunches and like their uh, snacks are big opportunities. But those are like different facets of the catering, you know, like besides the weddings and stuff, corporate is a big opportunity for people to make. Nice. So your suggestion, if you're out there and you want to be a caterer or whatever, your suggestion is look heavily into corporate. Yeah, corporate, because they have the dollars to spend. Nice. Uh, the startup costs are not that bad for a caterer. So if you're looking to open a caterer, it's, it's not that bad uh, startup cost, correct? Correct. But insurance, isn't there insurance that you would have to have? or The insurance, yes, but the insurance is not that bad either. Oh. Nice. It's not too bad. Um, where <clears throat> opening up a restaurant, there's a lot more risk involved. Um, where the overhead for catering is a lot like less that you can, you know, build from those. You know, some people don't have the resources to build a restaurant or even have a venue at first. Absolutely. So the offsite catering helps them build to get to those um, places as a business. Nice. Now, when you're prepping for a client for a catered event, whether it's corporate or not, do you have to set aside like a certain amount of food that is prepped for food allergies? Yeah, you always, that's one of my first questions is ask, I ask them is food allergies um, because you don't want to, you know, even if one person has the allergy, like a peanut allergy, you don't want to cross contaminate anything to get that one person sick because one person or one bad review can really... Uh, have a negative impact on your business. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so Absolutely. I believe there was a uh, Chinese restaurant uh, that actually poisoned an entire large group of people. You know what I mean? That they had food poisoning yeah. from a catered, you know, event. Yeah. yeah so you That's don't my biggest that. fear. <laughs> yeah. And uh, here's an interesting thing. Well, it sounds like you, you do a lot to prevent things like <laughs> I that. I do. <laughs> I do. Uh, here's an interesting thing. The first recorded catering event was in 1778. Who would have thought? You would have thought, you know, since the business doubled over the last decade, that it would have been popular then. But it's actually been around for uh, a couple hundred years, which I thought was interesting. Non-alcoholic drinks are trending, correct, Chef? Yes. So how how do you do? You just go to the person holding the event and say what kind of alcoholic drinks, or how do you do that? Well, usually, um, like it's usually like with weddings and stuff like right. that, and then you usually have like a like a mix, a drink in mind, and then um, they'll be like, "Oh, well, can you do the spritzer or whatever the case may be?" And I'll be like, "I can do whatever, whatever you want me to do, I can do." <laughs> um, but I also give recommendations too because uh, a lot of my staff are, I pull from the restaurants. In, okay. In my experience, I try to get um, all qualified um, or people that have experience within the industry that know how to like have experience bartending, serving, and things like that. And you hit the nail on the head. How important is it to make sure the staff you're hiring is top notch? I mean, could you imagine getting a bad review because you hired Jim Smith who never, you know, served anything? Well, there's a lot of temp companies out there right. that provide that. And I don't have anything against temp companies. But for me and my company, I try to get professionals um, that either been with me or have at least professional experience that know how to serve people. And it makes the difference. It does. How would you go about testing that? Like <laughs> when you're bringing somebody in, you know, do you just have them like, uh, I don't want to use certain terms, but do you have do you have them do trial by fire? Yeah. Well, I have trial by fire, but I also have the people that have been with me, like experienced people, like kind of shadow them and make sure that they're mentoring them throughout, throughout the course of uh, an event. And there's different levels to an event. That you know, usually like my strong people do, are doing the stronger things, and I use them or the like the 
the least experienced people as more reinforcements to help the more experienced people with like setting up tables. Like, you know, I give them, I don't want to say grunt work, but I give them the work that's not a little more tedious. Exactly. Absolutely. And I want, uh, let's dive in. We got people all over the country listening right now. Chef, what recommendations would you say to someone who's having a 50th anniversary wedding, whatever, or the type of catering corporate event or whatever, how should they go about finding a caterer? What do you suggest? Like, do you suggest what is there a resource for people to, you know, I guess the Better Business Bureau, but is there a resource for people to get, or do you suggest word of mouth? Well, for me, word of mouth has been tremendous. Okay. Um, that's probably my best part of marketing is word of mouth. But there's platforms out there. There's different platforms that people go to. Um, one of them is like Thumbtack um, for weddings. It's like the Knot, the Wedding Wire. So people go through these certain platforms to get trusted um, caterers. Because the point I'm making is I'm spending a lot more money yeah. on a huge catered event than I am going to a restaurant. So I'm not probably not going to go to Yelp. I might look at it. But word of mouth is probably the best. Word of mouth is definitely the best. So That's I've gotten most of my business from word of mouth. So f- find a friend or family member yes. who has used that cater, and probably the word of mouth is the best way to go. Yes, yes, because they've had an event or they've been to an event. Um, that's another thing, too, because some of these uh, catered events that I do, there's usually guests there that usually recommend me um, to somebody else. People that I probably haven't even met at the event, they'll be like, oh, I had your food, it was great, like, and I recommended it. And that's probably the best part about catering. <clears throat> yeah. Someone you did never even met recommended. Yeah. That's fantastic. Off of off of that, um, with catered events, obviously somebody approaches you and says, hey, I have X, Y, and Z happening. You know, can I sit down and do a tasting with you? Now, do you do that before they sign off of like, I'm definitely going to hire you or do, is that something that you do only after they sign a contract? No, usually the tasting is what usually closes. Um, cause they, you know, I, I encourage people to do tastings with me. I'm like, come in, please taste my food. Um, and then once uh, they taste it, I give them, I, I give them like a mini dining experience. I make the experience of the tasting um, unique. And then by the end of it, you know, I build a relationship with them that I'm, you know, kind of makes it hard for them to say no. <laughs> <laughs> and now, I w- okay. Would you say that that's something that all caterers do, or you specifically? Well, there's some caterers that don't, but a lot of a lot of caterers do, especially for bigger events. They want people to, you know. Um, come in and sign the contract, you know, you're trying to close the contract, you know, you want them to go with you. Um, And usually I recommend people doing tastings. And let's talk about the most difficult part about being a caterer is the food temperatures. (laughs) Uh, Let's dig into that. We got two minutes till break. Uh, We're here with Chef Ted Torres, owner of Coa Catering, C-O-A-C-A-T-E-R-I-N-G.com. And uh, the chef is about to tell you about the challenges of temperatures. Every time I read a post from a caterer, they're, they're, it's about temperatures. So go ahead, chef. Well, it starts with the prep. You know, you got to make sure that you're prepping everything right, cooling things right, and then packaging, especially when you're doing off-site catering, that you got to make sure that when you're traveling that it doesn't go above the danger zone, you know, um, which is like 42 degrees to like 130 135, I believe. Um, but you have to keep things refrigerated on ice. As, you know, I, I double pack it with ice, you nice. know, just to make sure that everything is at temp, that when I get on site, that when I'm cooking it, and, I, and I'm cooking it to temp, um, that's killing all the bacteria, and that's above 165. Wow. Yeah. But it's always temperature, like a HACCP plan, you know, food serve. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, what we're going to do is we are going to go to break. This is our all-catering show we're digging deep into the catering business segment one we kind of touched on things that are involved in the catering industry segment two if you're listening around the country we're going to let chef torres really dig down deep and tell you about his particular business so if you're in the local area uh stay tuned but segment three and four is going to go back into the generalized catering area so the people listening at home uh, you know Uh, Just want to give you a heads up. Also, also, segment four, I have been given permission by the chef. He tried to jump over the table. I said, no, no, no. I'm going to give you a lot of tips on how to save money 
when you're hiring a caterer. So that'll be segment four. Let's go to break. Hello, this is Kevin Wilson, and you are listening to Dining on a Dime on WMLD in the Hudson Valley. All right, we're back. Now, food photojournalist Amaris Pollock is going to take over, and this will be an entire segment all about Chef Torres co-catering. He's got a very interesting resume, and we're going to touch on that now. Amaris? Um, So I actually was looking you up, and you are deeply, deeply embedded in the Philadelphia area, just with your history and even where you gained your experience as uh, as a chef. So why don't you just talk a little bit about your history and what brought you to this area? Well, what brought me to the area is, you know, I'm originally from New York. You know, I grew up in New York. And then I just needed to get away from that because it was just uh, too much, too much distraction. And I just wanted to work on my career. And I felt that Philadelphia was an up-and-coming food city. And I think it's sometimes underrated when it comes to food. But I think I would put it in the top four or five as far as food cities in the nation. So, and I came in here, and I just wanted to get experience. And I was just fortunate enough to go under some good restaurateurs, uh, like Stephen Starr, some great chefs um, that mentored me, that helped me, you know, helped me along the way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I also saw that you've won won some awards as well for uh, some of the inventiveness, we'll say, that uh, you created, I think, a mask based based on um, another artist and made it resemble that mask. Well, um, that's that's very interesting. So do and and it benefited the Latino community, too. So um, how how did you come about in like creating that? I came up with it because, uh, well, the, the, the event was to raise money for kids in, in North Philly. Um, and they, they, it was about these little kids that drew these pictures. And so the picture that I got was from a six-year-old that created all these colors and things like that on a piece of paper. So then I looked at that, and uh, his idea was, like, all the colors were under the sun. So I created, like, a vegan thing. And what I did was incorporated all the vegetables that grow underneath the beautiful sun. <laughs> and that's how I kind of uh, played with that. And it was fun. It was fun. That's, that's definitely cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, so... Obviously, you've had a lot of different exposures to various um, aspects of the cooking world, of the restaurant world. Um, Now, what made you decide to go from a restaurant situation as a chef into the catering business? Well, I think it came down to, like, resources. And, you know, when you get to a certain level as a chef, you know, there's no more challenges. You know, you can run the kitchen, you can run it for somebody else where I felt that I needed to challenge myself in the next step. And with limited resources, I felt catering was uh, the best route or best path for me to own my own business. Um, Just because, uh, honestly, it was about um, finances as far as managing your costs and the call, like managing those costs. And it was with restaurants, you never know. You know, you don't know what's coming in. If there's a snowstorm, especially in this area, if there's rain, you know, that affects the walk-in business. Where yeah. catering, I know exactly how many people I'm doing. I know when I have to be there. I can prep for that. I can prep my labor. I, everything is, you know, kind of uh, structured. Yes. Yeah. Now, um, the the catering business that you actually own, Coa Catering, is... It, um, very different from most of the caterers out there because mo- I feel like most of the caterers are like offering your your Americanized Italian food, whereas you offer like a nice abundance of flavor with your Latin Latin flair. Um, so, what made you decide to go with that? I decided because there was a lack of that um, that niche in that market that there wasn't that many uh, Latin American caterers out there. And I felt that the market in Philadelphia could use it, especially at a high level, um, producing quality product. And to introduce Philadelphia um, to the Latin American um, flavors, those bold flavors. Yeah. So when I say Latin American, I, I, I usually um, infuse like Caribbean, Latin American, Mexican, and South American. And it's a boldness of flavor that I feel connected to. 
And I was looking at some of your menu items too, like, and it's stuff that like atypically, like for all of our listeners out there, if you go on his site and actually look at his menu, there's stuff on that menu that I'm like, Ooh, that sounds interesting. Um, like there was, um, I don't, I'm going to botch the name if I even <laughs> try it, but I know that you take something that's almost like a plantain and taro root and you mash it up and then fill it with something. Um, help me with the name. It's mofongo. <laughs> yeah, mofongo, which is a traditional Puerto Rican dish. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually served as an entree, but then doing hors d'oeuvres and stuff, I just put it in it. I've created these little cups and it's more of a bite-sized traditional mofongo but i i put different things in, like inside I stuff, of it yeah um and i do know that sofrito now i have friends um who are puerto rican and they make sofrito and i call it like you know uh, like puerto rican crack like i <laughs> love sofrito and i know that that in, gets incorporated into a lot of dishes so um how often do you use that um, I use it a lot. It's kind of like the foundation of my cooking. Um, you can use it for sauces, for um, bra- like stewed meats and, you know, soups, everything. It's the foundation of like my cooking particularly. And I have two different versions. I have a green one and I have a red one. Ooh, I've never heard of the red one before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I know that the green one has a lot of cilantro in it. Yeah. What does the red one have? Uh, the red one has, I, I, I add tomatoes, and then I add something called achote. Achote is like the seed that grows within like uh, tropical climates, and it's like it has an earthy um, type of like uh, flavor profile, mm-hmm. um, but it gives the distinct flavor to the red sofrito. Uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now, what would be one of your more popular dishes that you see uh, ordered for catering events off your menu. Empanadas. Of course, and I saw that you can do, you. the minimum um, you have to order is 30, correct? Right, right. Uh, what is your most popular empanada? I would say probably chicken. <laughs> Usually people like the chicken. And if people aren't familiar with empanadas, they're just like a hot pocket. Yeah, they have like a hot pocket. That, I feel like that's an understatement. It is. They're so much better than a hot pocket, <laughs> by the way, because the hot pockets have a negative connotation. <laughs> Empanadas are like little pockets of meat-filled, usually meat-filled, yeah. um, yumminess. Like, and it's in a, a dough. It gets fried. It's yeah. it's hot. It's mm, flaky, and like the inside is just so usually like full of tender tenderized meat that like has a ton of flavor a ton of flavor and the funny thing about you know and i do vegan and gluten-free ones too (laughs) um but it's funny that empanadas there's different ones in different regions like south americans use like a cornmeal and and you know mexicans use like a masa and Puerto Ricans or like Caribbeans use like more of a flowery type of uh, dough. But it's funny how each one, each Latin American country has their own version of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and now I also saw that you have meal kits available right now. Is that something new or is that something you've always had? No, it's something new um, because of the situation going on right now. And, you know, people were stuck home and they were probably tired of cooking. So I created these uh, meal kits. And all I did with that was, is like I just uh, downsized my company, meaning not like... um, You didn't downsize your company, you just downsized the menu. The menu and also the technique. Like what I do for catering events, I do for the meal kits. So they have to heat them up at home, but it's the way I would do it at a catering event. So it keeps the freshness of the product. It's not like you get in takeout, Mm -hmm. and by the time it gets to your house, like let's say if you order fries, they get soggy by the time they get to your house. Where this is like a totally fresh product that you're eating it the way I intended it. To to, be eaten. Right. Um, And does it come with directions, and what like does it actually include? Does it include like a starter, a main meal, and a, a dessert, or is there something outside of that that I'm missing? No, no, it comes it comes with instructions. It definitely does. Uh, I have to, and the, the the kits are built for like two or four people, and it's usually a choice of one appetizer, one entree, or one protein, 
one meat, two sides, a dessert, and two and, and dessert for two people. That is a lot of food <laughs> to our listeners. That is tons of food, um, and he is definitely local. You're in uh, the Bridesburg area, I believe. Yeah, but I deliver all all around Philadelphia. There you go. Yeah. So for all of our listeners out there, if you want some delicious food, <laughs> <laughs> you know who to call. Um, for a meal kit. Now, you still are doing catering stuff, too. You're going to, I'd assume that with everything that's starting to open up and not the large parties, obviously, that's not allowed right now, but with the smaller get togethers and gatherings, um, I'm assuming that you're going to offer some catered events that way, too. Right now, I do. Like, I had to bring back, I had a uh, traditional Puerto Rican, like, drop-off menu, which are built for 8, 15, and 25. And they're saying that the max, is, like, yeah. 25. So I kind of brought that back, and, like, I'm, I've been offering that as well for these smaller for these smaller groups. Um, I'm calling them social bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> the little social bubbles uh, of uh, friends and family, people that, you know, that you're... Um, safe with I guess so I have been offering that and uh, you know people are trying to get out it's good for picnics it's good for little social gatherings and things like that so um, for celebrations like I have a lot of friends for some reason they're all getting engaged recently <laughs> um, and you know that would be a perfect uh, moment to actually celebrate you know with a catered event small gathering love your family members love good food especially um stuff that's like an abundance of flavor um i am one for things that are spicy um and you know have more of a creative side so i was you know again referring to your menu like you have things on there that i was like there's um a lot like I sh- I need to bring this up, but um they ha- there's a large vegetable or actually I think it's considered a fruit that um that is grown in Latin America. Chayote. I think so. Yeah. It's a squash. A squash. Okay. So and it's a summer squash, right? Yeah, it's a summer squash, but it has like a consistency almost of. Uh, like an apple, mm-hmm. like the way the texture is, but it absorbs the flavor of whatever you put to it. It's good at absorbing flavor. It's really not as uh, intense as people may think, you know. Um, so that's why I like to use it is because it absorbs a lot of flavor. Like, um, and I'm I love botching names, but <laughs> <laughs> Yamaka or Jam, j- the it's like J A Jamaica, Jamaica. Uh, 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 Hickama. 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 Yeah, I knew I would like completely botch the name, and I'm probably <laughs> gonna get so much slack for this. <laughs> yeah, Hickama. Hickama has like the, a similar um, consistency that it absorbs a lot of the flavor that you're adding to it. So, you know, sometimes when I make the chayote slaw or something like that, I add the yikama, the hickama, the chayote, and like you know, cabbage and things like that. Um, but then I'm also adding like the a chote, um, the, maybe some monado seeds to give it that, that, that earthiness, um, and fresh herbs, always fresh herbs. Now, I have a question, Kara, of uh, Matt Maratea, who is our beer guy. He's our alcohol expert. Yes, <laughs> he's our alcohol expert. And he had asked me to ask you, um, what would be your go-to if you were to offer a beer or alcoholic beverage? What would that be um, at one of your catered events? A mojitos. <laughs> you know that's the signature dish of the caribbean so uh, mojitos are usually but in, during christmas time it's something called coquito which is like the puerto rican version of eggnog um but it's made with like coconut milk and it's usually uh, made with white rum nice yeah 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 and cinnamon and, and why is that not in front of me right now <laughs> <laughs> i should have brought it um but that's usually in the winter time that's like a, a specialty during it's called coquito yeah uh and what would be your f- most favorite thing to make that you that is on your menu my most favorite thing to make is well it's it's a component that I use for a lot of different things, for the empanadas, for other stuff, too. You can, um, but it's like my chicken ropa vieja. Okay. Um, ropa vieja is uh, is usually made with beef. And ropa, uh, ropa vieja is uh, translate to old clothes. So, yeah, it's, uh, but, you know, like in uh, Latin culture, in my culture, too, is like, you know, ne- nothing ever goes to waste. So... 
they would take whatever leftovers if they had beef or whatever and then turn it into a stew the following day so but i do it with chicken which is a lot more i like it a lot more and i add my little like twist and special ingredients to it so is there a reason that you prefer the chicken over the beef I just think it tastes better. I, I like the way it tastes. And, it, you know, it's more of a safe thing, too, for, like, my clients. But for me personally, like, I like the beef, too. I make a, a good beef rope vieja, but my chicken is pretty, uh, uh, that's one of my specialties, one of my, like, signature dishes. People know me for my chicken rope vieja. Nice. But I love it, too. I Like, I, you can eat it with rice. You can eat it with tacos. You can eat it with whatever. You gotta love that. Yeah. And uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back from break, we're going to go back to catering. Okay. And then segment four, I'm going to teach you tips. The chef has allowed me <laughs> to give you tips on how to save when you're ordering a big caterer for a wedding or whatever. So you're going to get money-saving tips, segment four. Let's go to break. Check out our new podcast, Learn About World Cuisine, where we travel to a different country from around the world each week and give you fascinating facts about both the country and the cuisine. Our world traveler gives you his real-life experience in the country, and our wine expert gives you the best wine pairings with your cuisine. Our podcast is available on all platforms, or you can simply Google Learn About World Cuisine to listen to the show. Hey, we are back. Chef Ted Torres Koa, catering.com. This show is all about catering. Uh, let's get back into the catering discussion. It says here that people are requesting local food on their menu. So are you having a lot of that? Like when someone's ordering a catering event, are they specifically going out of their way to request local food? I would say yes. I think a lot, I think the 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 modern client is a lot more educated okay um and they want to be conscious about what they're putting into their bodies you know so you know there's a lot of resources out there especially in philadelphia that do a lot of like local the farms are like right in prime season right now so what about the food type so say you're from new york and you catering event in philadelphia or opposite way are there people saying hey let's do some cheesesteak you know for the local cuisine yeah of that area yeah so I that's being requested a lot. I, I do a, I do cheesesteaks. I have a cheesesteak station. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. So I I wanted to touch on this earlier, but I want to touch on it now. Uh, Chef Torres is one of the very few Latino catering companies. Your specialty is Latino food. Uh, let's talk about why there isn't a broad array of cuisines from different areas in the catering company like she said it's just like you know a certain type uh let's discuss what do you think is the reason that there aren't more latino caterers i did have someone on the bus today saying hey look i love latino food it's hard if i'm serving a catering event for 50 to 100 people to find someone who specializes do you think there's a reason for that, or people just haven't gone gone into that niche? I don't think people have gone into that niche. I think some of the bigger catering companies probably offer, you know, they usually tell clients they could do whatever, you know, right. and they usually go through that avenue, where I think that trend is changing, actually. I think, you know, um, not to toot my own horn, but I've, I think I've uh, inspired other people to, to do Latin American catering, and especially some of these restaurants right now um, that need to rely on some of that catering. But it's nothing to do with the food itself having no. trouble keeping warm or whatever, right? It's just that nobody has hit that niche. Nobody has hit that niche, and nobody can execute it. You I know. was going to say, there's also, like, the knowledge of actually doing the, the particular meal. Yeah, Right. Like, you know, it's about execution, too. So maybe it hasn't gotten up before because maybe the execution wasn't there. Um, like, you know, we talked about before the show that yeah. sometimes you go and, and the food is not like great. Nothing exactly. to rave about. So I think I'm showing people the way that it's definitely doable. Whatever cuisine it is, it could be Latin. It could be anything. You now, know? say I'm in. Where is the furthest you've done a catering job? Uh, I've gone far. I've Have gone, you? Yeah. Um, the furthest I've gone. Um, in Philly was probably uh, Collegeville, right? Collegeville. Is Have you ever far. done a New York? Uh, event? No, I haven't. I've done Delaware. We, I've we done... are on WMLD <laughs> Hudson Valley. <laughs> Chef Torres. Yeah, hit me up. I'll He's go. an alumni. Let's have some fun for a minute. 
You are an alumni of one of my favorite Food Network shows. Uh, <laughs> Chef Torres actually won the Chef Wanted show with Amberell, which is if, it's a fantastic show. It's on the Food Network uh, app. Talk about your experience. Uh, Chef won the event, but he decided to open Coa Catering instead of taking the job offer. But tell us what that's like, because there's a lot of people out there saying, "Hey, it's pretty interesting. I would love to be on the sh- you know a show like that." What's yeah. the experience like? Uh, the experience is great. You know, it's kind of, it can be overwhelming with the lights and everything, um, and it could distract you maybe if you're not staying focused. Uh, what I usually like tell people, other chefs that go on like. Uh, cooking competitions is just remember the training remember like being cooking for 500 people on a saturday night when you're in a restaurant like that type of um intensity is the same thing you know it's if you can deal with that you can deal with a television show and it's chef wanted i guess people could look it up and see your appearance on there but uh, chef torres won the entire contest (laughs) and uh he decided because he's right i actually did research and there are very few Latino uh, catering companies or, or catering companies that specialize in Latino cuisine. So you decided, is that what happened? You decided to open COA? Yeah, I decided to open COA because of that. Um, early in my career, I didn't want to be pigeonholed as a Latino chef. So right. I went to different restaurants, learned different types of cuisine. But then my love for the cuisine kind of brought me back. Like, I loved it. I was just like, you know, and I wanted to share it with with the people. And you're an actual chef, culinary school graduate at Mm -hmm. Walnut Hill, right? Yes, sir. The restaurant school of Walnut (laughs) Hill has produced another fine, uh, fine chef. Talk about your decision to get into that field. Uh, Why did you think catering instead of being a head chef somewhere? Because you're qualified. Yeah, yeah. Uh, What made you, you think the niche market is what? put you in on your road or do you think uh you just didn't want to be a head chef you'd rather work for yourself i guess yeah i'd rather work for my, that's what really like ultimately led to that decision is like i wanted to work for myself um you know being a, you know i love being a chef i'm always a chef first right. uh but being an owner and being a business owner is like a whole different like career it's you got to learn different things different aspects that it, you know you, you still want to continue to challenge yourself um and a lot of chefs do that they just want to challenge themselves they always challenging themselves and i just felt that it was the next uh, step in my progression as a professional and let's go down this road real quick chef i'm a head chef say i'm a head chef florida pittsburgh texas and i'm not really happy being a head chef uh, would you recommend that they open their own catering company? Because catering, I guess you would need to be licensed, right? Or, or is there licensing and stuff like that? Or Well, you have to get your, your business, your, your commercial activity license and things like that. It's not really um, that. And insurance. Insurance, definitely. Insurance, right. um, a kitchen, a professional kitchen to work out of. Right. Um, but I'm always pushing people to be entrepreneurs. Um, exactly. I'm always pushing people to do it. You know, so I may be the wrong person to ask that, but I'm ah. always <laughs> I'm always asking people. I'm always telling people and pushing people to, like, do it. But it worked thing. for you, yeah. Coa Catering. How long has Coa Catering been? August 1st will be five years. Wow. In this business? Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Five years of Coa Catering. <laughs> One of the very few, and I Googled it. One of the very few catering companies that specializes in Latino food. And I find that interesting. What is the most easiest thing that she she asked you that, but what what is the easiest catering event you would get? Would it be natural Latino food or would it be other challenges? Do you prefer to be challenged with uh, different cuisines or would you rather... I do. I like being challenged. Right. You know, I like because sometimes if you do the same thing over and over again, it gets mundane, you know. <laughs> exactly. Um, but it's also about consistency. But I like to be challenged. I like to do different things. What percentage of your business do you think is Latino requested? Or is it just you're just general? Um, it's always just general. But, like, it's usually the people that seek me out are, are looking for the Latino stuff. And we were talking earlier. People, You're getting business from people you've never met. Yeah. Because they loved your food. Yeah. So that's interesting. Now, I, obviously, you're going to have a lot of straightforward, you know, I go in, I make the food, and it, it's, you know, pushed out. Or, you know, there's a line, a prep line. Um, 
and you present the food. But has there ever been a situation where you've had a client and you don't obviously don't mention the client's name, but (laughs) (laughs) where you've had to do a presentation that's a little bit more over the top for the catered event or, you know, has it always just been like a mellow, straightforward catered event that you've been doing? No, I think it's uh, the types of service, you know, there's different, there's at least um, with over the top is the plated, you know, obviously like the plated sit down dinners. Um, they're a little bit more logistically challenging. Um, but I do, I have three different types of service when it comes to larger events like that, which is the buffet, the traditional buffet. And then I, off, I also offer uh, a family style um, option that they could all sit at the table. And, and, and that's one of my favorite options because it helps uh, the people at the table engage with one another. Yeah. And then the plate up option, which is a little bit more um, labor intensive. Okay. Um, now, given the situation that we're all in, the, are you going to do less of the buffet style and more of the sit down, like pushing for more of the family style um, because of it, you know, the situation as it is needs to limit the touching, we'll say. Right. Point of contact. That's been the big emphasis is point of contact. Um, and buffets are really like um, not recommended. Not at this time, you know, it's uh, the point of contact, but everything needs to be um, single serve. And during this time, you know, a lot of people don't know what's going on moving forward. So um, they're just trying to ensure that, you know, there's like the point of contact. Again, there's least people, least amount of contact with people touching the same things, like with the buffets, with the same um, serving utensils and things like that. So they want everything like single serve, even with hors d'oeuvres. Hors d'oeuvres have to be single serve. So there's been, you know, a new set of... uh, uh, challenges, but some of the better caterers are like trying to figure it out. But we're still like waiting on guidelines from, sure. yeah. from the top. <laughs> However, you are probably one of the better caterers considering your history. And he's got nothing but five star reviews. Exactly. If you look up Koa catering, it's all five stars. Yeah, I put a lot of heart and soul into it. Exactly. And what I love about what I love about individual business and we've had hundreds of guests on this show. What I love about the individual who owns their business, it's they really have no choice but to care, right? Everything you do 100%. is all with heart and passion because it's all you at the end of the day. You know what I mean? It, it all comes down to you, your reputation, this, that, and the other thing. So it's really nice to get the individual owners in here and display their passion, you know, for what they do. Definitely. Well, I, you know, I ask for the accountability, you know. I right. want it. I, 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 I put, like... I put you thrive on it. I do. <laughs> and that's important. And, I, and I'll tell you what, I cannot emphasize how important it is to find a good caterer because I'm spending a lot of money compared to if I go out with my buddy and we're eating at a, a burger. I'm not spending that much. But it's more important for people to get the information and talk to their friends and relatives before they hire a caterer because the money, you know, is is a lot more, you know, when you're catering. It is. And if you're spending money, you want to know that the, the, the owner is, you know, busting his hump to make sure that, you know, he's doing everything in his power. To and make they sure. can hear your passion right now, right? <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, yeah. it's all on you. So you care. You give your heart and soul into every job you get. Let's talk about how can I hire a chef. What if I'm out there and I'm saying, all right, this guy has been windbagging it for uh, <laughs> 44 minutes. Can I call you? Uh, what is the preferred method to hire Coa Catering? Um, you can call. You can email. Um, you can even reach out to us like on social medias and stuff. Uh, we're always going like, to respond. Give your social media tags before I forget. It's always uh, it's Coa Catering. It's at Coa Catering on Instagram. It's COA. COA, on COA. COA Catering um, on Instagram, COA Catering on Facebook, we're on Twitter. So, you know, COACatering.com, and our phone number is always listed. So, anyway, you know, we have multiple avenues that you can reach us. And if they have the right envelope stuffed with the right money, you'll travel (laughs) out of the tri-state area, right? Yes, sir. If the envelope is big enough, and you're listening to this show in Texas, California, if your envelope of money is big enough, Chef will come to you. Uh, there is no limitations on where he can service. What, uh, chef, has anyone looked into the uh, ice packing and, and shipping things? Like, say say I'm in Alabama, and I'm like, man, I cannot find good Latino food. 
Is, I, has anyone looked into that? I'm just curious. I mean, it's probably an off-the-wall question, but has anyone said, wait, what if I get these freezer-packed bags and I cook my meal and I send it? I mean, has anyone looked into it? I think they're doing it now because of, like, the rise of Amazon. And, you know, like the, the accessibility of Amazon and being able to do it. But I know a couple of chefs personally that are, are doing it or working on it. You know, it's not like completely set yet because there's a lot of like health standards that you have to like health protocols that you have to go through. Oh, that's I didn't even take it to see. Yeah. You just cleared up something. Because you don't want to get. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. OK. I mean, would you consider John, who who is not with us right now because he, he has a bit of a sore throat? Um, he he would know this off the top of his head, but there I know that there are certain companies that work with uh, restaurant and catering um, owners uh, to create those package deals where you 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 know basically uh, ziplock airtight send it off in with um, dry ice to like to various parts of the country. Now, would you ever consider doing that? I would, I would. Um, but I always get concerned about getting somebody sick. Right. You know, that's that. That's and that's on you. And that's another important thing to get yeah. across. It's just Chef Torres. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, Everything's I on him. I it's all t- on you. And my team. You know, I wouldn't right. be here without my team either. And Chef Torres has promised me there will be no jump getting jumped in the parking lot. Because segment four, when we come back, <laughs> I am going to give you tips on how to save when ordering a caterer. And I want you to tell your buddies... Our show's Dining on a Dime. We try to teach people to save every show. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's business, but we do have tips. Let's go to break. Hey, everyone. Check out our new podcast. It's called Learn About World Cuisine. Each week, we take a different country, Greece, Italy, Ireland, and we examine the country itself, and we examine the cuisine, and we give you fascinating facts about both the country and the cuisine. Uh, our beer expert, Matt Maratea, also is on the show, and he'll give you the best alcohol pairings with that cuisine. My co-host, Peter DeFeo, is a world traveler. So what happens is we give you mind-blowing facts about the country and the cuisine, and then my co-host, Peter DeFeo, gives you his real-life experience in that country. It's a fascinating show. If you like to learn and have fun at the same time, Go to your favorite podcast platform and search Learn About World Cuisine, and you're going to love the show. Also, go to Google and put in Learn About World Cuisine Podcast. And if you like to learn and have fun at the same time, you're going to love that show. Okay. Okay, we are back. Chef Torres has promised me that nothing bad will happen, but I have a list of ways... That you can save money, because we're dining on a dime. we got to teach people how to save. I know the <laughs> catering industry is going to hate me for this, but guess what? I have a list of tips. Uh, there's a lot of people listening to this show that are having weddings. They're having major catering events that they can't hire Chef Torres because they're on the other side of the country. So I have a little bit, a couple of ways that you can save money on those big events and i did hear from a caterer they're like i don't really care about people you know it's annoying when people try to nickel and dime me but there are people in a tight way that are trying to save wherever they can so here's a couple things that you can do to save money when ordering a major caterer well, before we get into that, um, I would like to just get your advice because you said prior to us starting this taping that you know you would work with a client in order to get um, stay within the means of their budget. My particular question would be if we are trying to save money, um, but obviously it's going to cost money in order to get you know your your event catered. Where would you allocate? Um, your money to get the best bang for your buck? Um, Well, first I have to assess what they're looking for and then um, give them all the options available and then they can trim like accordingly. Like if they don't want servers or they, then I'll I'll give them a different option. Um, But I always recommend um, always getting three quotes, just like anything else, getting three quotes. Even though it might undercut me, I still say get three quotes and then, you know, compare, and then 
usually they're going to come to me. And then if they say, oh, look, they got in a little bit on the budget, I'll be like, you know what? I'll hit that budget and I'll work with you. <laughs> exactly. It's all about the connection. It's more about customer service than it is about anything else. And just so our friends in the catering business know, I am only given 10 minutes of tips. So <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. So a ways to save if you're ordering uh, catering from a major company is, uh, first of all, limit the amount of food during cocktail hour. Why should you spend a ton of money when people probably would rather have a cheese and cracker pl uh, plate and graze themselves? That way you save money on the servers that the caterer has to hire, you know what I mean, and stuff like that. So that's the first tip. Serve seasonal foods because seasonal foods are cheaper. Uh, so when you're going to your caterer, Chef Torres said, I'll work with you. You know, just recommend seasonal foods because it's not as expensive. Right, Chef? Yes, sir. All right. And the chef is giving me, uh, <laughs> he's giving me the dirty eye. <laughs> Close your bar early, right? Because the alcohol expense is huge. So just have a limited bar, uh, you know. Open bar. Uh, open bar. <laughs> limit that time. How about we skip the champagne? Is it really necessary, Chef, to have actual champagne? We could put, you know, apple juice or something of that nature. Uh, ask about purchasing your own alcohol. How about that? How about I'll buy my own beer and I'll bring my own beer? Uh, because it, I'm, I'm sure there's a markup if you're, you're going to have that. Uh, choose comfort food over expensive dishes. Why do I need to serve lobster at my wedding? You know what I mean? Let's do some comfort food. Let's do meatloaf, you know, or whatever, you know. And we, it, there was a wedding recently. Uh, they did all Burger King food or Wendy's food. You know what I mean? They oh. catered it that way. No, no, really? <laughs> it was. I think they met there, and it was a thing. Uh, also, consider not serving the full meal. How about we just cut down on the meal options, you know, cut down a little bit there. Why do you need coffee service? I mean, does, and everybody doesn't drink coffee, so why should I pay servers and a catering company to do coffee? Well, if you're doing some of these these things, I would say that that's okay. But if you're going to take that list and do a lot of that, then, you know, you're not, not really going to have an event. The, the, the chef has promised we're not going to get negative feedback. Uh, the chef did. <laughs> Always, and this I'm sure you'll agree with, look for hidden fees. And your hidden contract. Fees. Everyone gets a contract, correct? Yeah. Always look for those hidden fees in the contract. Uh, consider using compostable disposables, meaning throw away the silverware. Why do you need, why should I have to pay a million dollars for the silverware? I can use disposable silverware. So you're talking about what, plasticware or the well, wood? Well, the fancy. The you know, wood stuff. The, uh, I think it's, uh, there's an upscale plasticware. Yeah, you know, biodegradable. And, uh... How about you serve the vendors, because everybody gets a meal, right? The staff gets a meal. Why do you have to pay full price for the staff meal? Just give them something cheaper. You know what I mean? That'll save a couple dollars. Uh, ask the caterer about children's meal. I've been to a wedding where these, uh, these people brought their bratty kids to the wedding. Why do I have to pay full price, $40 a person or whatever it is, for your kids? To our listeners, we apologize for anybody who has children out there. But I'm just saying, I mean, if, if I'm, if, you know, if I'm, uh, you know, Dave Smith and I want to bring my kid to the wedding, why should I have to pay a full meal for a 10-year-old who's not going to eat half of it? Um, skip the elaborate tear cakes. I hate this. When I go to a wedding, they're all oh, the big cake, this, that, and the other. Why can't you just, you know... Put out candy bar. I mean, what the cake? The cake. I actually did a show that the cake is actually symbolic of something, you know. But there's no need to spend. And, and you'll vouch, right? The cakes are expensive, right? They're really expensive. Cakes are really expensive. Why don't? Why can't we skip the cake and maybe put out candy bar? Or, you know, a, or a whole bunch of candy or something like that. I've seen a lot of different. Yeah, but I'm saying there's different ideas. Yeah. Wait, like what? Because honestly, like um, part of part of what would draw me to a wedding is, in particular, the cake. Really? <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, 
Uh, is it true, Chef? This is what I'm researching. And most caterers will include alcohol and non-alcohol packages. So say I want to save some money, I can go to you, and you'll have a non-alcohol package, correct? Yeah. Okay. Well, one thing you did, like a lot of that stuff, I usually communicate with my clients about. Exactly. So, so I you, talk to them. I educate them. So the chef would educate you about this before the event. Almost and, everything on that list I talk about. And Chef <laughs> is, this is what's great about Chef Torres. He, it's, we just said, it's all you. Yeah. So you're not going to put your reputation on the line by not recommending some of these. You know what I mean? You're an integrity person, yeah. you know, and uh, I'm sure you're going to say most of what I'm telling you beforehand. Yeah. And yeah. to circle back also on the earlier segments, um, we did also say that the non-alcoholic beverages are trending as an option. So. You know, if, if that is somewhere where you can save money in with alcohol, you definitely can save money by not having that at your uh, event or party. Um, so, you know, just stick with the trend then. <laughs> right. And another option, too, to save a couple dollars, have your wedding on a weekday. You know what I mean? Let's do it on a weekday. Why has it got to be Saturday or Sunday? Why am I going to pay extra money? Just do it on a weekday. Uh Serve only two or three courses. You know, I, I'm talking about this is for our, you know, uh, our listeners who are our main base. Serve two or three courses. Skip having the server serve those appetizers. Why do I need to pay this guy $20 an hour to serve people? Uh, skip that. People prefer to get their own apps. You know what I mean? Put out your table. You know what I mean? Let's come up. Let's grab a small plate and we'll serve our own apps. A lot of people prefer that anyway. Who wants to bring me a cracker with, uh, you know, dip on it? I, I can get my own. I, I I will add something that can help save you money. Uh, my aunt had gotten married, and she actually got married in a park. So the overhead cost of renting uh, an event space that was exactly. eliminated because it was, you know, in an outdoor public setting, and which right now is key to, right. to be doing that anyway. Right. Save money. That's actually tip number. That's actually tip number seventy-eight. Yes. Save money on the venue. Because why should I pay for a venue when you, there's plenty of places to get married outdoors? I cannot tell you how many times I've sat in Rittenhouse Square and a wedding was coming by. So there's a lot of places that you can go. Uh, what you, why do I need to pay this guy $20 an hour to stay the whole time I'm there? Let's let the servers leave early. You know what I mean? Cut back on that cost. Let, let's, let's, hey, pal, I, I appreciate you handing me the bologna and cheese sandwich, but we're done. <laughs> uh, pick an inexpensive protein. You know, there's pork, there's lamb, something that's not, you know what I mean, elaborate chicken. or expensive chicken. Exactly. Yeah. Chef Master's chicken. So, yeah, yeah no, that's a good idea. Uh, you can save money also on cleanup. Um, you know, if you want to let the crew go earlier, offer to do your own cleanup. I'm With that, given also you guys having taken your all of your equipment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's an option too, because I. There's I, a lot of people I know that yeah. it sounds weird, but a lot of people I know enjoy cleaning up. Like if you invite them over for dinner or whatever, they'll clean. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you might be able to pick a couple people. Uh, how about we serve lunch or brunch instead of the dinner? It'll be less expensive, you know, the food type. You can do that also. Um, I. How about we cut down on that guest list? You haven't talked to Aunt Sally in 20 years. Why does she have to come at $50 a head? Cut down on the guest list. Uh. What, what would be something that you would recommend as a caterer? Um, and obviously, like, not trying to step on your feet since you are a caterer. How would you, what would you recommend for someone who approached you and said, listen, I'm on a budget. How do I save money? Well, I give him the options, but also one of his uh, tips was about buying your own alcohol. Right. I think that's one of the biggest ones. And, uh, you know, even at my own detriment, that's something I recommend. You know, it's just buying your own stuff. And we just hit on something that's perfect for you. It's actually a lot more expensive to hire a wedding caterer. You can go to Chef Torres. You know what I mean? If I'm going to have a wedding and I'm hiring just wedding, uh, you know, caterers, it's probably going to cost you a couple dollars more. Plenty of chefs like Chef Torres out there 
individually owned, you know what I mean, that can do a wedding, no problem. You know what I mean? So look for guys like Chef uh, Torres, and how about you get your wedding catered, you know, instead of going through the, the book and only hiring specifically wedding caterers. I also say, like, food trucks, too. They right. find a more affordable um, option for people. They don't right. want to spend crazy amounts. And that's, again, at my own detriment. You and, know? We just, and we <laughs> just made the, our catering company uh, really mad. But, you know, our show, our base, our base, our listeners trying to save money here and there. And every show we have to at least touch on different ways they can save. In closing, Chef Torres Coa Catering, C-O-A, C-A-T-E-R-I-N-G. Dot com. Uh, closing words, Chef, for people that want to hire you. Uh, we already talked about your passion. Um, you know, I already gave out my information. You know, feel free to reach out to me. I'm personable. Sometimes you might get me personally, so on the phone. And um, I just appreciate being here with you guys. Thank you so much. Well, we thank you for your expert analysis. So it was very important for the show. Uh, Amaris Pollock, food photojournalist, uh, in closing. Um, just that, you know, if if you do want to find him, um, he has every social media outlet that you can think of. So Koa Catering on IG, on I think you're on LinkedIn, Facebook, um, et cetera. You can find it and find photos of your events. Okay. And we will be back in two weeks with an outstanding show on how to save money Throwing a big party in my backyard. What do I do? How do I save? What corners can I cut to cut down on the cost of having your friends and family over for a party out back? Right? Yes, sir. Plenty of ways to save. All right, everyone. We will see you in two weeks. Thank you for tuning in. Cue Your Cuisine is also available on all podcast platforms. Go to your favorite place where you get podcasts and just search Cue Your Cuisine to listen to our show, but please like, subscribe, and leave us a review. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening.